Liveline on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Coming soon, the all-new Sportage. For more, log on to kia.com. 0818-715-815 Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. It's the wonderful everyday with IKEA, but not for Mary Quinn. And let this be a warning until we sort it out to those of you thinking of buying an IKEA gift card online. Mary Quinn, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. You got a land. I did get a land, all right. I got my card, but I got a land along with it. And you were left uh, very flat packed at the end of it. What happened? You got your gift card. I for... got my gift card. I ordered a gift card and I made sure it was to the Dublin. I can't say for definite whether I rang the office or did it on the website, but I did check that it was the Dublin one because I was aware that their head office is out of the country. Okay. Ordered my 300 euro card. It was a 10 euro charge for getting a physical card. I could have got it emailed, which I didn't, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I um, waited about a week and the card arrived on Saturday morning by post. And uh, almost at the same time, a uh, text from on post to go in to pay a duty. So I took the reference number, went in on the on post mm-hmm. website mm-hmm. and uh, they had all the details absolutely correct. My name, address, the amount of the card, the extra I paid for the physical card. And they were looking for seventy-five euros duty, as you can see from the information I sent in to you. Seventy-five euro custom charge on a three hundred yeah. euro gift card. Yeah. That you'll be spending in Dublin, I presume. Absolutely, yeah. And when do they want this money by? Well, that is what I'm not. You see, I, there is a date on now. I'm just not. Uh, well, it says custom. Sorry, cust- customs charges pay by date the fourth of January two thousand and. Yeah. 22. Now, what happens if you don't pay them? I don't know, because well, it I is, have my card. It's the state, it's revenue. You've no option, yeah. you have to pay it. I've come with better news at Christmas, Joe, than that to me now. Now, have you tried to get onto IKEA to say what happened? I presume it's yeah, Brexit. No. I presume the card came from, where's IKEA? Sweden, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it came from Sweden to the, probably an English company were doing the vouchers. And that yeah. means it came from outside, well, Sweden are outside the EU. But anyway, it came from outside yeah. the EU into the EU. And I presume that's why there's 75 quid on a gift card. <laughs> yeah. And what, what I would be interested in wondering in sense is, if you bought a gift card for uh, somebody uh, was saying they were going to buy the stuff in England and bring it in, would it be charged again on the 300 euro? If they bought a 300 euro item and got it sent, in, uh, sent to them by post. And and if if you bought a gift card for a friend and the, the gift card arrived, and um, they'd have to pay the seventy five quid. That's to re- right. To receive your yeah, gift card. Like now, yeah. which was nearly what I had done, you know, send it to the person that I was buying it for. Now, friends, the the, the VAT rate is seventy one fifty five. Would someone work that out as a proportion of three hundred eleven fifteen, which just includes the postage? So I presume it's five seven. It's 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 twenty percent, isn't it? Yeah. So, like, if that's the case, people won't buy IKEA. Or I don't know. There's lots of lots of companies that have their HQ or their systems through the UK. In other words, outside yeah. the EU. But people aren't aware of that. No, they're not. No, they're not. Thanks to you, they are. Stay down. We seek. We we're now to like if people buy a you know a flight voucher through one of the English websites, Flight Gift or whatever, 
Which I'm after doing. Oh, good luck. When you get... When you get a, a demand from Pastor well, Donoghue for... Well, I'm waiting to see now. And in that one was very interesting. Uh, it was flight gifts. And uh, I paid by PayPal because, you know, I, I was mm-hmm. just concerned in case there be anything coming back. And um, I was charged uh, 10 euros on the tra- transaction by PayPal. Now, I was aware of it when I was doing the mm-hmm. gift voucher. It showed that yeah. PayPal was charging the 10 euros. And what's the 10 euro for? I thought PayPal... Well, made... no. Yeah. Stay yeah, there, Mary something. Quinn. Just talking about prices. Lisa Bracken, you got a land last night. Was it last night in Dublin? What happened? Hiya, Joe. Go ahead. What um, happened? Joe, I went into... Um, the Christmas event there in Dublin Castle with oh, my yeah. husband. Uh, lovely, lovely evening. Um, and it's free of charge. But unfortunately, then you get kind of a, a bang of a, a bill when you go around the corner. I parked in the car park for very little over an hour and it was mm. €8.20. Wow, is that the dearest in Dublin? Um, but no, see, there's, obviously there's no street parking uh, anywhere near Dublin Castle. No, there's not. But so that's, uh, that's, that's nearly £0.10 cents a minute. Yeah, I've never heard of a price like that, Joe, ever. Um, it's astronomical now. That's ridiculous. You know, you'd nearly want to carval it or washed or something when you come back. There's <laughs> and nothing. The, and Lisa, did, was there anyone there? Could you say it to anyone? Listen, is this for real? No, um, I. there was a number there. I went over to, to the desk because actually when we paid, we couldn't get out anyway because the bar wouldn't come up. So there was a queue of cars, you know. Um, and there was no staff, no one there in, in the, you know, the, it's like a security box yeah, uh, yeah. at the exit. And um, but so then I had to wait then for for someone to come into work to uh, to let us out. And he said, yeah, that that it was a uh, four ten per hour or part of an hour. Wow. So and six. Said, so so sixty. Well, over. well, you were you weren't much over sixty one minutes, but sixty one yeah. minutes would be eight twenty. Eight twenty, yeah. No, that's which I said. Is over, so which is over ten cent a minute. That's yeah. outrageous. It's it's now I've thank God you weren't in the ILAC on Sunday afternoon. We got loads of calls yesterday. People who were stuck in the ILAC for four hours because the barrier wouldn't lift. Now, apart from anything else, that strikes me as a horrific fire hazard. Um car underground car parks. Car parks are the bane of firefighters' lives. They just hate to see a, a, a fire one it was an underground car park which is not the ILAC totally but an underground car park is just pitch black once fire starts oh yeah once it's you go so in dangerous there. so dangerous yeah but was there any if there was no one at the, the, the barrier and the barrier wouldn't lift like say you were in a traffic jam and say someone or a child got sick or something or felt unwell Someone yeah. having a heart attack, anything. So there's no way in or out for anyone. No one could move. I, I felt. But can the barrier? The could front. the barrier be be lifted or fixed remotely? I don't think so, Joe. Because um, no, obviously it's not possible. Because mm-hmm. I rang the number on on the glass, and the guy was was lovely. He was very apologetic, but in saying that, there was nothing he could do. He just said, um, "There's no one there at the moment. He's on his way in to work." And um, if you just hold on, he, he'd be there in a couple of minutes. Nice. Um, but I, I walked back to the cars behind me just to apologise and explain that I wasn't just sitting there, you know, that uh, there was no, no, the bar wouldn't lift. We had to wait. And for, but, your ten, um, for your 10 cent a minute in this car park, do you get anything extra? Does your car be parked on 
Tin town carpet or yall carpet? No, or, no, no there's Minister no red carpet, carpet for no, me. Nothing, no. no, nothing at all. Not and the car park isn't done in, in Wedgwood porcelain or anything. It isn't <laughs> no, beautiful. nothing like that. No, no, Joe. And then um, the paint isn't Farrow and Ball. The, the wallpaper <laughs> isn't the wallpaper that <laughs> Boris got a number ten for eight hundred euro a roll. No, no. But it was, an, it was yeah. unbelievable. There was a, a gentleman behind me. I felt sorry for him because he was getting. Um, Quite, he said he doesn't like to be stuck in. Do you know he doesn't like enclosed spaces? Um, and and I just said to him maybe get out of the car. He was with his wife, um, but he was red in the yeah. face. Joe, uh, he was an older gentleman, That's and um, he, he became quite you know um, anxious. Yeah. And I said to him, Do you well, know, parking maybe, well, maybe get and walk. You know, it's a, yeah, but it's a real issue. I know this is a Dublin thing. I'm sure it's Cork as well, but. Um, and other big cities but parking in Dublin now is almost impossible you have to go into if you can get into a, a multi-storey car park and then the thing you should always remember going into a multi-storey car park is getting out of the multi-storey car park don't do what I did on Christmas Eve one year and park in a multi-storey car park it took me four hours to get out because it was completely and totally uh, gridlocked um, the, the city centre is anti-car we know that the, the Owen Keegan and Dublin City Council are totally anti-car um, but and that's on the one hand and the other hand they're saying go into Dublin town to shop well, or participate you know, or enjoy because uh, we went around to the car park just to check after Dublin Castle just to check what time it closes at because we said should we have a, a ramble about you know um, and maybe pick up a few bits but when we went around and saw it's open alright if you're willing to pay them four ten an hour so we just said oh, just leave it get, get whatever yeah. we're getting elsewhere you know so they're losing out on that footfall in the shops as well, so there's a double-edged sword there, I suppose, with it. But that that price is ridiculous. I've never seen four ten an hour in any car park. Yeah, well, it's Dublin, Dublin. Uh, so go back to Mary for a sec. Mary, we're still waiting on it. Uh, IKEA said are looking into it, so to speak. Okay. Um, the, the, you, you, would you have phoned the? But surely you would have. Known. Would you have phoned a zero zero four four UK number by accident? No. No, definitely, I thought that. I thought that. I thought that. Because I'd be very aware of yeah. buying on Amazon of the issues of buying in England, being out the EU now. Yeah. So I was very careful to make sure it was the Dublin branch I was dealing with. Well, apparently the whole cabinet in IKEA are looking into it. And they said they will have an answer for us this afternoon. But it's uh, in the meantime, hold, hold off. You're, I don't think you've any way of getting out that 75 quid for a Pascal Dunhu. It's the state. They've come after you. They'll come after you. The customs no, excise, um, and then does it go? Does it go? Are you then? Are you then down as a defaulter? Ah, you're painting a very zoom picture oh, for Mary, me for Christmas. Mary, will your name be in the paper? Oh, I'm telling you, <laughs> they visited me in my joy. <laughs> Stay there for a sec, Pat O'Gorman. What happened? UPS, the battle of UPS. What happened? Joe, good afternoon. Good. Um, I got a lovely gift of a calendar, a photographic calendar from a friend I, I met okay. in New York, and he posted it to me. And it arrived, and the package was marked gift, yeah. a value of $10. Okay. But UPS added a charge of, a notional charge of $75 carriage to it, yeah. which brought us over the €45 Euro exemption. Limit. Okay, 45 okay. And they looked for 23% VAT on that to a total of, I think, uh, 19 or 20 euro. Okay. And then they added eight, eight euro handling charge to it. So they wanted 29, 30 or something charges when the guy arrived with my lovely calendar, 
which was opened and all. Now, I was going to hold it up the door and say, I'm keeping this, but the guy said, oh, they'll take it out of my wages if you don't pay me. So I let him take it back and okay. emailed UPS and went on, logged onto their site and joined membership and sent emails for nearly 10 days to them. But they persisted saying, no, these are charges and the limits without giving me any breakdown. So eventually I gave in and said, ah, oh, look, I dumped the calendar. I couldn't be bothered. Okay. What's but it a, turned up the what next you, day. What you say to him, what's another year? Yeah, what's another year? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're very musical. Um, <laughs> anyway, the calendar turned up the next day. Charges paid. And what struck me was, these are putting, the UPS, they're putting little yellow stickers in these packages. And I wonder how much of that money is going back to our government. Are they notional revenue for UPS so, so, well, or actual government charges? Well, well, UPS are a very reputable company. So, uh, uh, but the, the, the parcel came, or the calendar came back saying charges paid. Paid by whom? I don't know. I don't care. I got my I calendar. know, I know, I know. Have yeah. any, by the way, have any... The, yeah, go on. You know the other furious part, Joe, is UPS are about five minutes away from me down in, in Swords Industrial Estate, behind Locks Gates. If you ring them, you get a call centre in Manila. <laughs> um, and there's no access to go in and talk to somebody to say, look, this is unreasonable. This is a calendar with a personal note from a friend. With, with, it shouldn't, it shouldn't and you be say the, the, calendar, the calendar was worth about, what, $10, $15? Well, whatever. What does it cost to get? No, no, it can't. Maybe $20, maybe $25, you know. Um, so it was way below the €45 Euro gift limit that's exempt from uh, charges, uh, VAT, VAT and you. But, uh, I mean, there's a contrary person who would add $75 or €75 Euro freight charge to a package, to a, oh, to a okay. large envelope. Which, you know. which we presume your, your gifter, when your gifter sends... Oh, he paid. He cards. paid, yeah, yeah. Okay, say, say there, Paul. 51551 Vivian. Hi. Hi. Uh, get your skates on, or you tried to get your skateboard on. What happened? Um, yeah, this is my... There's a, there's a bit of feedback on my side, sorry. Okay. Um, okay. My mother, I'm from California, and my mother sent the okay. kids a, a Christmas present last year. Right. And um, it was a skateboard, a new skateboard that was about $100. Okay. And the custom charges were 120 and they wouldn't release it until I paid it. Mm-hmm. And it was the week before Christmas. So I was really, you know, kind of under pressure. They were, re- you know, I knew um, they were looking forward to this present, you know, my, yeah, my son yeah. was looking forward to this present. So I, I said to them, well, it's not, it's not really on, it's too much. And they, um, they said, well, you can appeal it afterwards. That's the only way you can go about it. Oh, yeah. So I paid I've, it and I've been appealing it for a I've, year I'm now. I was going to say, how did that go? How did well, that appeal go? Yeah, yeah I, so every time I call or email, I get a different person. So how come the customs charges are greater than the value of the skateboard? I don't know. Maybe it's because um, that's what it's valued like as 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 a as a new gift from out of the country. I don't know. Mm. But even the, if it's just the, the communication and not being able to have someone who kind of follows through. You can't. It's Vivian. This this phrase probably originated in your home country. You can't beat City Hall. 
Can you? No, no. It's it's just not on. But no, also around f- Christmas, you know, when yeah. when you know a present from a grandparent, like they've done so much to to get something nice for their grandkids. Yeah. Um, and then, and then to hit and parents you, up with something when they're already yeah. quite strapped at this time of year. And you're caught between a rock and a, and a skateboard because you're promised a skateboard <laughs> and you have to. Okay. Yeah, How long absolutely. are you living in Ireland, Vivian? Eighteen years. Oh God, so you're well settled now. Thank God you've lost your Californian accent and you picked up your <laughs> Wexford accent. <laughs> I'm not quite there with the Wexford accent. I, I know, I'm still working not. on it. Well, you have a lovely accent. You have a lovely accent. <laughs> yeah, Pat, Pat, can yeah. I just, can, can I just confirm what Vivian is saying there? It's yeah. very hard to get somebody to tell you the breakdown of these charges. You cannot actually contact someone who will talk to you reasonably. And you get these call centres um, who, who pass your query on to somebody else. And you don't get someone to say what the problem is. You know, it took me 10 days to get to the mm. bottom of this notional crazy 75, 75 euro freight charge. For a distribution centre that's five minutes from my house. Lisa, Lisa Bracken, who was paying 10 cents a minute uh, for parking in Dublin and then couldn't get out because the barrier was uh, broken and there was no one there to lift it immediately. Uh, but somebody said, those barriers, now I, you, you try this, Lisa, I'm not going to try it. Those mm-hmm. barriers apparently are made of plywood and in a case of emergency, just drive through it. Did you ever hear that? Well, I don't want to be eating my dinner <laughs> off a tin plate in the Doka Centre, Joe. <laughs> Do you know, it's a Doka Centre. You know how much it'll cost to fix the scratch in your car? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Vanessa Moynihan, Vanessa, what happened? You're saying these charges are taking the good out of gifts for Christmas. Yeah, Joe, I just, um, we got uh, two parcels from my brother who's living in Tokyo. Okay. And we were tracking the parcels and everything was fine, no sign of the parcels. And then I got two custom charges in the post. Um one of them for 20 euro and one of them for 60 euro. So okay. to receive the two parcels, to have the two parcels released, um, I had to pay 80 euro. And I wow. I actually told my brother that I only had to pay 20 euro a parcel because if he thought I was paying 80 euro to receive ah. a few little bits for yeah. the little fella for Christmas, Joe, he'd be devastated. Do you know what I mean? But so there's all z- kinds of charges on it. There's an import duty, there's VAT, and then there's a fee from on post as well. So it took the good out of and you were afraid to tell your brother that, yeah. that you'd nearly spent as much for receiving the gifts as he had for, for buying them. For, for buying them, yeah. And it's all because they had to travel through the UK to get to here. Ah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but they came from... Okay, they travelled... Yeah, okay. They travelled into, into the UK and then back out into the EU, which is us. Yes. Yeah, that's the issue because we've received parcels from him before, Joe, without any issue. And we couldn't figure out why there was such a hold up with them with the parcels, but it was obviously to do then with this customs issue, which on post have told me is nothing to do with them. It's coming from revenue. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So I mean, even even at the twenty euro a parcel, Joe, he'd still be very slow because it's like you're being penalised to receive a gift. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he even was saying to me, "Is there a way that he could pay it at his end rather than me having to pay?" to receive the gift and you know it seems like you're being punished for getting a gift like you know yeah yeah okay Vanessa um, and your brother how long has he been in Tokyo he's been in Tokyo six years Joe uh, was he teaching or no 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 he's in IT oh good so does he like yeah. it does he like it loves it yeah Love but do, yeah. they, do they they don't celebrate Christmas? Should they report this no, country? No, yeah. no, no. But he he does his own. Just <laughs> he does his own thing. Okay. 
And does he does he work on Christmas Day on December twenty fifth? Yeah, they do often. Yeah, yeah. Do they, yeah? they have other kind of holidays. The yeah. The, the emperor's birthday and yeah, that course, gets kind yeah. of golden yeah. weeks and things like that. But no, Christmas as we know it there would be a wouldn't would be a non-event, yeah. Okay, okay, Vanessa, thanks indeed. Okay, uh, thanks. Vanessa Minehan, Lisa, Lisa Bracken, Pat O'Gorman, and we're still waiting uh, on a reply from um, IKEA about Mary Quinn's 75 quid customs bill on a 300 git voucher she bought from IKEA. Joe at RT.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And Joe at Now, two very worrying stories both came in uh, in the last uh, few days. One from Kate and one from uh, Kerry McGarrigal. Kerry, um, when, when did your incident happen, Kerry? I was out on Sunday the 28th. Um, of November and I was just out in the town just for a few drinks with one of my friends I had my daughter the next morning we weren't planning you know, a big night out we yeah. just, we'll go for a few drinks and come home then And So, you, were, so you, you happened on Sunday the 31st of November I'll, I'll go to Kate now I'll come back and forth Kate when were you spiked? Um, Friday the 3rd of December Last week? Yeah, what happened in your case? Um, I went away for two nights to Galway with my partner. Okay. And we were in a venue in Galway. Um, we started having a few drinks around 8pm. Mm-hmm. And I'd say around 11 o'clock we were in Supermax. I wasn't feeling well. I vomited all over the place and I collapsed. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, the security guys and everything were like, get her out. You know, she's after getting sick all over the place. So, you had, then uh, I, yeah, you were over. Yeah, yeah. So, I was outside, then I was on the ground. And in fairness to a few girls, they come over to help. Um, I was, I was, I looked like I was unconscious, but I could actually hear and feel everything, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, I could hear the girls questioning my partner, um, who he was and everything, like, you know, and like he was getting upset and I was kind of thinking to myself, fair play to them for questioning him, you know, because he could have mm. been this random guy. Like, okay, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but then um, obviously they, they, one, of, one of the girls tied up my hair with a go-go and turned me on my side as I was trying to get sick. Um, nice. An ambulance came. So the paramedics then were questioning my partner, uh, what did I take? Did I take drugs? And obviously he said, no, she didn't take anything. Um, And then they kind of questioned him again. They were like, look, you won't get into trouble, but you need to tell us what she took. Like, you know, and he said, well, look, if you knew her, she's very anti-drug, like she didn't take anything. So uh, they brought me to the hospital, which I spent most of the night on a trolley in a corridor, um, Mm -hmm. treated like a drunk person, basically. Um. I could hear everything and feel everything. They COVID tested me. They were talking about my eyeshadow while mm. I was on the trolley, how nice my eyeshadow was and everything. But they didn't um, they didn't do any other tests on me other than the COVID. When I, oh. when I came around, around half five in the morning, um, the nurse asked me, did I know where I was? And I mm. said, yeah, I can remember everything. I heard everything and I could feel everything which she was kind of surprised. And I was like, I know you were talking about my eyeshadow. I know you COVID tested me. I said, you know, 
And I was telling her things that she was kind of surprised that I knew about. Because it's hardly the memory of someone who was who was diagnosed as being drunk. Yes, exactly. So um, I kind of asked her, I was like, did you do any like blood tests on me? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, was I spiked or anything? And she said, no, no, we just put it down that you had, you know, too much to drink. And I said, well, I was only out at eight o'clock. I said, you know, um, I wasn't out long enough, nor did I consume enough to be in that type of state. Um, And she said, well, look, maybe you didn't have enough in your belly. Maybe you drank one too many. So at that point, I was kind of frustrated anyway. And I asked her, could I go home? So she rang me a taxi and now home was the hotel, obviously. Um, So I got to the hotel around quarter to seven. And I went to bed for a few hours and I got up and I actually felt like death warmed up for the whole day. And we were supposed to stay the second night as well, which we did. um, But I didn't want it ruining the whole weekend. And I was kind of like I was baffled. You know, I I didn't know how I got in that state, as the, the nurse put it, like, you know. So I went up for a shower and I tried to gather myself and I was showered, blow dried the hair, did the makeup. I was dying now doing all of this. Um, and then I was putting on my dress. We were going for a meal that night and mm. I was putting on my dress in the mirror. And whatever way my arms were up, I was like, oh, my God, what is that in my arm? And literally it was like a purple black bruise, bruise on the back of my arm. Obviously, you could see it when I lifted up my arm. But if I put down my arm, it was on the back of my arm. So my partner then was looking at it and the two of us were like, oh, my God, like, you know, you hear about this needle spiking going on. And okay, you reckon you were needle spiked. I'm going to go back to Kerry now. Kerry, um, when did you first notice? Kate there described that she she felt very... I was just, whenever I was out, I just went completely blank. Like, just can't remember a thing. Came home and was, like, getting sick absolutely everywhere. But I am completely... Completely blank, but we only had uh, two drinks in one place, and I think we had about six in another. And um, mm. so I didn't have that much to drink, um, and I just completely, completely blank. Just can't remember a thing. The next day, I was getting sick, and it was only on the Wednesday I noticed the mark on the back of my hip. Mm-hmm. But you just, you just presume that none of this is ever going to happen to you. I was like, no, no, no way. That's not what it is. So I was like, you know what, I'll send it on to the doctor and I'll not jump to conclusions yet. But mm-hmm. I sent it on to the doctor and they were very good. They rung me back straight away and told me to come straight over. So whenever I went over then, they had a look at it and um, mm-hmm. they said it, w- it was an injection and they gave me a tenant's jag and they wow. took me back the following and, day. For and, and Kerry, have you any memory of being jabbed? Not because... but. I have absolutely no memory. I didn't feel a thing. I just, all of a sudden, I remember being in the venue we were in and Mm. next thing it was just lights out. Like, can't just remember waking up in my bed covered in vomit, which is not me at all. I couldn't tell you the last time I got sick after a night out. Let me ask Kate. Kate, do you remember being jabbed? No, and it's it's a question everybody has, Joe. Okay. Right? Yeah, everyone's and asking me the same. I put it to my doctor and I said, how would I not have felt that? Mm. And she said to me, well, when you come in for your vaccine or your bloods, your arm is out, you're expecting it, you're looking yeah, at it going yeah. in. You know what I mean? She said, you have a few drinks in you there and someone bumps past you and, you know, you feel a nudge or whatever. And you're like, oh, you turn around and you say sorry, like, you know. Mm. 
She said you wouldn't really feel it, no. But you had the bruise as well. I had the bruise as well. And another question that people had for me in particular, I was out with my partner and everyone kind of assumes like if a girl is going to get spiked, it's it's a group of girls or young girls or whatever, like, you know, why would you spike someone that's with their partner? And it was actually my sister the other day on the phone actually um, made sense of it. She said that when you're out with girls, which I have been, and it's so true, girls don't really leave each other. We go to the toilet together. We come out of the toilet together. Um, Mm -hmm. When I'm out with my partner, he's gone off to the toilet. I'm waiting there for him. I'm gone off for the toilet. He's waiting there for me. He's gone up to the bar. I'm standing at the table, minding our spot. Like, you know what I mean? You are kind of on your own a lot. Mm -hmm. And... Kate, it was your case where they didn't notice the, in the hospital the, the bruise? No, they didn't even so much as take off my coat in the hospital. They put blankets over me, left me on a trolley. But would they have mistaken it if they had looked, in fairness? Would they have said, oh, that's her, her vax? They could have. I, yeah. I, I don't know. All I know is my doctor from my story, she basically said to me, Donna, she said, if if um if that was just drink... Mm-hmm. She said, um, you wouldn't remember a thing. You wouldn't be able yeah, to recall yeah. what happened, you know. Yeah. And um, uh, she you... obviously <laughs> examined my arm then as well. And she said, by the looks of it, 100%, yeah, I would call that a needle, needle spike. And, and why, why were you asked, why were you told that getting a tetanus injection is worth doing? I, I didn't um, get told that at all. Um, I, okay. I was told to was... get my blood done. Kerry, you were told because, to get a tetanus, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I, they wanted me over to have a look at it and they gave me a tetanus drag then when they were after they had looked at it. Yeah. And they said to stop infections from the needle Exactly, or exactly, exactly. Yeah. And Kerry, have you any, why, what is the motivation for all of this? I, I honestly, I, I haven't a clue because as soon as my friends started saying that I was no getting... Yeah. He said it was just all of a sudden I just started getting very drowsy and stuff. She took me straight home, like so. I, I honestly have no idea, but it's just it, it is happening so 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 much. Like the amount of people that have written to me saying the same thing has happened to them, and it's not just like I have a lot of people asking me, "Oh, where were you?" But it doesn't make a difference because it's happening yeah. absolutely everywhere in the town. Are, like are they not- are they doing it in the hope that women would fall on well and they'd rob them? If that's the case, see that I don't, I don't, I honestly, I have no idea why anyone would do this to yeah. anyone or what yeah. Yeah. what they're getting out of it or. Okay. And both of you are, have recovered. Yeah, my yeah. blood's all come back as uh, clear, so I have no infections from the needle. Um, oh, but I have to go now and get a hepatitis B jag. And, um, yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I have to go back in three months' time again to get more blood done. Okay, yeah, Helen, Helen is on the line from Kilkenny. Helen, it was your 18-year-old daughter. What happened? Yeah, she's in college in, uh, over in England. And yeah. she was uh, out there about a month ago. Now, they'd be very aware over there. They just don't normally have a drink when they're out. They do pre-drinks, you know, so that they're not carrying uh, mm-hmm. a glass drink or whatever. But this particular day, she was out on a practical. So um, she was late going out. So uh, anyway, after she had two drinks, had the drinks in her hand all night. And uh, somebody must have spiked it because she couldn't find any marks on her or anything. Okay. But... Um, 
the thing I suppose that I wanted to make people aware of was uh, one of her friends was very aware of it because it had happened to another friend of hers. And what she did when they went to the hospital was she asked them to do a blood alcohol level okay. on my daughter. So that to prove that she wasn't drunk. Good point. Well thought of you. Uh, you know, and they had the presence of mind to do that. Yeah. So um, the hospital, in fairness, they did that. And once that result came back, then they took it serious, you know, that they were dealing with something else. Um, but like that, she was very aware of everything that was being said. Um, she remembers like that the bouncers were laughing at her um, mm-hmm. at the disco. Um, she was really upset because it was a, a student union that were running the disco over there and they didn't take it seriously. Um, the bouncers thought she was drunk, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I mean, it happened to her around 12 o'clock. So, like she, you know, she was only out since 11. So, she, like, there's no way. And she hadn't been drinking before that. She said. Mm. Um, but, like, that's just, I thought that was very good for friends to have the presence yeah. of mind to do that. Yeah, very good idea. Yeah. Very good guess, idea. Uh, and they okay. asked about doing a drug uh, test on her. And they said that it would take two weeks, you see, for that to come back. So, But they reckoned it was ketamine. That um, yeah, Somebody else put ketamine in her drink. But she said it was like an anaesthetic. Her arms and her legs were completely paralysed. But her brain was worse. But she couldn't talk. Yeah. You okay, know? ketamine, but ketamine. That's what is, I, I thought, you know, yeah. just to get after okay. them to do the blood alcohol level. Okay. And that's Good idea. Good idea. Okay. Helen, thanks indeed. And uh, also to Kerry and Kate, all similar stories. Joe at rte.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. There was a remarkable incident off the coast of Cork yesterday um, and a remarkable rescue as well uh, done by uh, Mick Hoey. Mick, good afternoon. Uh, how are you doing, Joe? Good, well done. What, what happened? What time and where? Uh, Time-wise, I can't remember, to be honest, but there was... Um, no, we were just fishing, trim fishing, uh, the usual. Mm-hmm. I saw the yacht coming out the harbour, uh, kept on working. Uh, just in the nature of the game, you'd be glancing around anyway all the time. And... We were just finishing off uh, one of the strings of shrimp pots. Okay. And when I turned around, it was almost immediately, as it happened, I saw it. But it didn't fully register. I, might, I thought it might have been just a diesel engine puffing out black smoke mm-hmm. or something. And I looked again and I realised it was time to move. <clears throat> so, uh, he was about uh, between five and ten minutes away, I'm not exactly sure. Okay. And I was making a beeline towards him. Other fishing boats were going towards them as well but I just happened to be closest alright at one point or at most of the point the way the yacht had turned the stern was up into the wind the sail was still up and she was slight breeze she was still blown away from me but I, I lost sight of him I couldn't see him at all through the black smoke and I didn't know if he was after jumping in the water at that stage because wow. it was so bad and as I steamed up and came around the side of him I was only about 20 yards away from him and we both saw each other and I kind of saw the relief, came alongside him and he jumped aboard. And was the boat engulfed at this stage in flames? She wasn't far from it. That was my biggest worry. I could see the more intense the fire was getting, mm-hmm. uh, the further up the boat it was going. But I couldn't see him. I, I, say I couldn't see if he was after jumping in the water or not. Um, but jumping in the water in the middle of December uh, in, the, in the sea is a pretty pretty shocking thing when you 
land, for example, with the cold and the... Yeah, but your option is looking yeah, at the burning yeah, so what's, deck. What's the, choice, what's the choice? What's the choice? Okay, so so you you pulled up. How close could you get to the, to, to his his? Oh, yacht? I came right up uh, beside him. I wasn't too worried about oh, you not, banging okay. into the boat or not. I just because... Uh, you see, I didn't know what... I didn't know what the fire... Uh, what, what she... Uh, my biggest fear was uh, if she was diesel and there was a diesel tank, I was half afraid that might blow up the intensity of fire at that stage. Yeah, yeah. So, Kian, the lad that was with me, um, I just kind of said, just prepare everything. This is a one-shot thing. Yeah, we'll come in beside him, get him off, and we'll get away as fast as we can. Mm. But the, the man in the boat, Alan, um, he said to me afterwards that, uh, that, that she wasn't diesel, so things kind of relaxed. Um, but it was... Oh, Hairy kind of a moment, all right. Because I've seen the, seen the footage of the, the yacht. The yacht is completely engulfed as, yep. you, as you approach it. Yeah, it, it, was, she was about, it was about half that. It was at least half that before I got to him. And as you know, the more intense, the hotter the fire gets, the faster will spread. Yeah. And I, no, it was just to get in, no messing, get him off as fast as we can and get away from it. Uh, it was. I was very anxious for him. Um, the fact I couldn't see him, and I was thinking, this is a, this is a dangerous situation. All right. And did he have so to? Ju- did he a, have to jump onto your craft, or did yeah, he? Yeah, he jumped on, and oh. he was very calm about it. Uh, and that was another thing that that was highly important. Everybody just focused on the job that has to be done. Um, it was, yeah. <laughs> Even though you're always aware um, that things can happen at sea, and always that was just just out of the blue. He looked fine to me sailing down. Everything was grand. And did you know him? Was he from? Was he local? I I actually don't know. I never asked him. Um, I, I, we didn't know each other. No. Okay. Uh, but he, he told me he was sailing for a while, so he was well experienced in that. So everything he had everything ready to rock and roll. He was fully kitted out, ready to. If he had to jump into the water and stuff like that, it was um, no. It, personally, I was really pleased that it, it all just it just went according to plan. And and there was no one else on board, thank God. Nobody else on board. And for me, got him off. I'd say within two minutes. Well done. She went up the way. This year, you saw in the footage. Well done. So it was a yeah, it was a scary moment. No two ways about it. And his name is Alan Mulcahy. Um, yeah. And he's he's still traumatised, as you can imagine. He, see, he told us, the engine caught fire and quickly spread. And before I knew it, the engine and the boat blew up. I ran to the front of the boat away from all of the flames. I immediately called the lifeguard for help. I couldn't see the fishing boat that Mick, yourself, was on coming towards me. The smoke was so thick. It was when Mick and his crewman Keen got close that I knew there was help. Just before they arrived, I was about to jump into the water, but I was concerned about hypothermia. I kept calm and as safe as I could and stayed with the boat. Mick and Keen pulled me off uh, onto their boat for safety. Five or ten minutes later, my boat was gone. If I jumped in the water, I could have gotten, gotten a hypothermia. I cannot thank you, Mick and Keen, enough for what they did for me. They saved my life. That's Adam Mulcahy saying thanks. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I saved him from jumping into the drink anyway, as far as there was a... By the way, he's, you're right, he's, he's 35 years experience sailing and he's a yacht master offshore for 30 years. 
yeah. on yachts all his life. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's small things can go wrong. It's a, uh, I know it's sure I'm, I'm about forty five years fishing, right, and okay. it's uh, incidents have happened over the years, and the most unexpected things and all the rest. But you, you, you just have to deal with what you see fit. But for me, I, I was, it was a relief to see the way he was mm-hmm. uh, up in the nose of the boat when I came around. He was ready to rock and roll, and I said, "No messing. Just, just do what you have to. Jump in any way you can, and we just get away." And we because we... Uh, my concern uh, at that moment, immediately when he got in, uh, once he was safe and sound and board my boat, I was just afraid that something would blow up because it was really starting to get intense mm-hmm. at that stage. And we have the video, and we'll post it now in a sec upstairs on, on Twitter at RTE Liveline and at Joe Liveline it is an incredible image it is a frightening image it looks it, 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 to all intense details it looks like a, a boat had been set on fire you know where you sometimes you see it as a ritual in certain countries that when somebody dies they set the boat on fire and they launch it out on its own into the sea but this was this had a man on board yeah. And, you, and you said, have you done, have you ever rescued people before, Mick? Yeah, I was involved in stuff like that before as well. There was a, not, never with a fire, um, just yeah. in different instances and stuff like that. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's just part of the game that's played at sea, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's... And where's your nearest lifeboat? Uh, well, they were, uh, Kieran Canary on the lifeboat, he was the next man, I'm old, and he was only minutes behind. Right. But, see, I was, I was, I was within, i say, five or ten minutes of him. So when Kieran came out, uh, I transferred Alan oh, onto okay. Kieran, and he he brought him off just to get checked out and all the rest of it. Okay. So and where where was that light light boat coming from? Uh, Crosshaven. Oh, uh, those lads are on the ball all the time. Oh, they all are. All that there's a whole slew of Crosshaven, Cartmack. And uh, make no mistake about boat, it. Yeah. When you see official people coming, the Calvary, I suppose it's it's a huge huge relief. Yeah, yeah, you, you know. Then everything is a. Uh, the other fishermen that were steaming straight at him as well. Well, they knew then that I was going to get there first. The yeah, everybody just everybody's involved. No matter what the work is, yeah, you just, just stop immediately what you're doing. Yeah. Cut whatever you have to cut, and just go straight to the point. Okay, well done. It well was done. no. I'm I'm so glad that I, that I just happened to turn around and and see see it happening because. I said there was only minutes in it when he got off. Yeah, well, he, he thinks so. He thinks he would have been gone in a few minutes because he said the boat went up uh, uh, and he was, before he saw you coming through the smoke, he was about to jump into the into the sea. Yeah. Yeah, I was that okay. close. I mean, when you look at the footage, uh, I'm trying to remember the way yep. to... I, I, was on the, I came down the port side. No, in fact, I came down his starboard side because she was facing down. <sighs> so, and there was... Um, when I came around, there was there wasn't a whole lot of deck space left, deck left. It was, and what I could see, the smoke was only a couple of feet away from him. Mm-hmm. If if she had pointed down downwind a bit more, he would have had to jump. There's no two ways about it. You couldn't you couldn't say in that kind of smoke. And where did he did he how did he was he at the the, the bow of the boat or the, the right st- on the very bow, right on the last yeah. point he could, and. I'm trying to remember, did the sail catch fire at that stage? I think it was. I think it was on fire at that stage. Eventually the, the mast just collapsed. But I... Uh, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I, I'd say he had less than two minutes. 
definitely have, less than two minutes to get off that boat. I'm looking at this footage they've, they've tweeted. Um, it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible that someone survived that inferno in the middle of the sea. Yeah, it's a uh, no. Just whatever, right whatever, place, right time, whatever uh, miraculous act took you to that spot, Mick, yesterday to be so close to Alan Mulcahy in his in his minutes of need, not his hour of need, his minutes of need. Uh, that is that is some coincidence, and he is a very, very he's a very grateful man, as you heard. He said, "You saved my uh, life." Yeah, I was. But he's I a very was, lucky man as well. Yeah, I was talking. I was talking this morning there, oh, well. Uh, just to see how he was getting on last night, because I know my own experience as well. You've if you go through a hairy moment, it's uh, yeah, and you get, sometimes it can hit you later on uh, that evening. And yes, yes, I'm sure he's saying to himself, "Will they ever go back to sea again?" Ah, uh, he should. He should. Okay, he should. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's a free. It's, it's a freak. It's very unusual, is it, to see a boat like that on fire? I never yeah. thought. Yeah. Um, I'm oh, rephrasing that. I did, but not that bad. I saw a fire on board, but uh, they they got it out. Um, but no, I, as I was steaming, I knew there was there was no saving that boat anyway. I could see mm. how how bad it was and. It's one of these things, times you'd really want. I was hoping I was on a faster boat. So when I was steaming up, to my, my main concern is I, I wasn't sure I was going to make them in time. I just didn't mm. have the speed. I gave her every last ounce of well energy done. she had. Well done. And no, I, it all ended up, ended well anyway. And, and I, know, I know Alan is grateful. Um, and he sure is. And, and did you have to abandon any gear as you made haste? Okay. I know, you said it already, yeah. I know that, I know that, I know that. That's, that's the well least done. concern, you can just go back and sort that out. And how long have you been working with Keane? Uh, he joins me during the shrimp, yeah. uh, so the shrimp start about... Shrimp, uh, yeah. Mid, I start about mid-September thereabouts, maybe, yeah. the end of September, and the season will stay on until the 15th of March, but I probably won't stay on that hard because the weather gets a bit bad after Christmas and I've yeah. only a small little boat. Okay. I say... No, I don't fish like I used to anymore. There's wear and tear now. Okay, okay, Mick. And Keen, well done to both of you and, and safe seafaring and uh, rescuing as well. Thanks indeed. That's Alan, That's uh, Mick Hoey and Keen who re- who rescued Alan Mulcahy yesterday afternoon in Cork. And as Alan Mulcahy has told us, they saved my life. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And Joe at RT.ie. And this uh, unusual uh, Irish phenomenon, we're trying to find out, has it, has it uh, happened, is it happening at Christmas anywhere else? Um, yesterday we discovered that it started uh, six years ago in Carrick on Shore. And um, the spectacular Christmas tractor run has been getting bigger and bigger and has now spread to looks like hundreds of towns and villages around the country. The biggest one, we do a few, but the biggest one that has contacted us so far is Anne Sheehan from the Kilbritton Tractor Run Committee. Isn't that right, Anne? Good afternoon, Joe. How are you? How many How many did you have in, in 219 before the lockdown? In 219, we had an amazing number of 539 tractors, all models, makes, shapes and sizes. <laughs> and all decorated <laughs> with Christmas lights. Uh, some of them do come decoration tractor lights or Christmas lights, should I say. Others okay. don't. But the most important thing is that people come 
and support the autism project and the autism cause, and they have a, a good day out and they get to meet their friends. And it, it, and how it's long? How long did that five hundred and thirty-nine convoy of tractors, decked up in countless thousands of Christmas lights, how long did it take it to get through the little village of Kilbritton? Well, the route would start in Kilbritton Village. It um, goes down then on the Wild Atlantic Way, down on what we would call around here the Coast Road, mm-hmm. take you down to uh, Timberleague Village, down ah, at yeah. Port McSherry Village, back up to Lislevan, Barry Row, back down again to uh, Cork McSherry and back to Kilbritton, then if you so wish. But I thought people from Kilbritton were barred from Cork McSherry. Joe, we are friends again. <laughs> we are friends again, and, and we are you, minding the whale. Would you explain to our re- really belongs to the people of <laughs> Britain? Uh, so we're minding the whale, and we're taking really good care of I it. I always Joe. thought I've said this before. What happened about that whale is def- must be must be turned into a movie. The way would you explain what happened? I'm trying not to be too biased in favour of Kilbritton. Cork McSherry is on one side of the inlet, Kilbritton is on the other in Cork. What happened? Correct. And uh, the whale landed in it, it beached in Kilbritton and basically died um on the Kilbritton side of Cork McSherry Bay. <laughs> I think if I I can't remember oh. the exact year, but I think it was two thousand and nine, no, it was it a massive happened. story. It was a massive story. Massive story, and I went actually went out to see it myself, but I got so nervous of the water, I actually came back. And mm. but you know, obviously, it was a big event. So the the whale, um, uh, most of it was secured and is now housed in a lovely area down here in a lovely park down here at the end of the village that everybody's welcome to come and see. Yeah, and but what happened was the whale unfortunately beached and the whale died. It was a massive, Correct. a massive, beautiful, beautiful mammal. It died and it was lying... Now, some people say in the middle of the bay, it was neither in Kilbritton or Court Mac, it was kind of straddling the border there in, in the bay. And that they, at one night, the people of Court Mac went out to secure the whale and take it to their side. And they were met in the inlet, the tide was out, by the people of Kilbritton. And an argument ensued and the Kilbritton people won it, as they've often won a GAA match against Court Mac Sherry. Well, my understanding from where I saw it is what you could walk from the Kilbritton side, from Burn, from the Burn area of Kilbritton out onto it. So I think geographically speaking, the Kilbritton people had more of a claim to it. Okay, and where is the whale now? The whale is housed down here at the end of the village. There's a lovely village park here. There's a picnic area. There's a little fabulous playground and you can go and you can come and see the the whale and you I've can seen it I've been I've seen it it's absolutely well it's a car it's the it's the bone structure it's correct, absolutely Joe. stunning correct, yes. stunningly beautiful stunningly impressive yep. yeah well we're lucky we're living impressive. in a lovely part of the country and yeah. um, obviously makes great and when um, when did Kilbritton last when did Kilbritton last play Court Mac in uh, GAA it's past you see Court Mac don't actually have their own GE team they play uh-huh. for a club called Barry Row of course um, yeah. so yeah. they play them in lots of different matches with the ladies <laughs> and the camogie and the football and everything but that's, we're all friends Joe, oh, thank we God. all have to share the surf together I know, so we're but that's all why I'm thrilled that you bring the Kilbritton tractor run which as far as we can see is the biggest tractor run in the country 539 tractors you bring it through Court Mac not once but twice so you rub it into them but anyway that's this Kilbritton and it's for charity where is the yeah. Where's Chris McCarthy? Chris. Hey, Joe. Nice to talk to you. Uh, many, many tractors in your spectacular... 163, which oh. I thought was a load until this lady started talking. Yeah. Where's, where's your tractor run at Christmas? 
Uh, it started off in Ballyocter, which is down quite close to Camolan, which I'm sure you know. Yeah. And it comes up uh, through Clock, in through uh, Gory Town, past the Garda Station, down okay. the main street, around the, on the Arklow Road, turned back where the uh, Ashdown Hotel is. Nice. And then back up a street called Esmond Street, which is actually uh, back up the other side of the main street. And then comes back over and meets itself coming down the main street. So, um, and then so you have tractors. What else do you have, do you, do you have in it? Is it? Well, there was only tractors, but I thought 163 were a lot. That is a lot. Until that lady just mentioned 500. Uh, I don't know where you will get 500 around this area, but uh, it's great. And... Um, so it's one six three, and you do it for charity as well. Well, they do. Apparently, they talking to that I know quite well. Who tells me about it? He works for a Matty Ferguson dealer down there, and they start off in Ballyocter. All of them, all fully decorated, as you can see by yeah, the yeah, short incredible. video I sent you. Incredible. Um, but they're uh, they they get some hot chocolate from the ladies down there, and that mm. gives them the good start. Right. And then they carry on through, making as much noise as possible. Uh, headed up by the probably a local fire engine, but making enough noise. Yeah. And it's quite good fun. And it's over, I suppose, in just under an hour. So nobody will complain about that. And and it looks big because tractors, are they're big, they're yeah. tall. They've loads of different accoutrements and accessories <laughs> sticking out of them. So you can wrap, you can wrap lights around everything on a tractor. Unlike and a around car, the wheels, of and course. And around the wheels. It sounds, it looks... Uh, spectacular and no, nobody it's not in any way it's well stewarded and oh god yeah, yeah. the guards are up at one end of the town right, and where okay. I was if you know the town Joe at uh, one end of the town where the town branches off on the main street there's a, a pub there called the Coach Coach uh, House oh yeah and okay. I was stood there which is a good point to do a little bit of video and then catch them with still photos coming up the other side okay well let's try and get which a few more in say there Chris, Chris okay. is in Gory and Wexford where, Mary Worski Worski, Mary, good afternoon. Hello, Joe. Where, where is, where is your tractor spectacular? Well, that little um, clip that I sent, uh, that was actually our tractor that was in it. But the two people that's involved in setting this up was um, Dennis McGettigan and Danny Rogers from Kerrygart. <coughs> near Letter, so, near Letterkenny. Yeah, north of Letterkenny. Okay. So they are did it for the Little Angel School in Letterkenny. So it was an amazing evening. It was absolutely spectacular to see it. Um, There was approximately 150 tractors on the run. All decorated with thousands of lights. Thousands upon thousands of lights. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, what did they say? Las Vegas and the hills of Donegal. (laughs) Well lit up. But the tractors these days, Mary, it's, it's two years now since I was at the ploughing. That's where I see all my tractors. I absolutely yeah. They are behemoths. They are massive machines. Oh, huge. Absolutely huge. Yeah. Yeah. And they have all their beacons and sirens and whatnot. And, They're lit up before they start to light them up. Okay, exactly. And then you, then you decorate them. Mary Dempsey, Mary, where is your tractor spectacular at Christmas? No. Hi Joe, how are you? So we're in a little village called Bal in County yeah. Mayo. Okay. And, and um, how many tractors do you get out? So this year we had over 90 oh, well tractors. Done. Yeah. And we had over 60 children 
who came down the street on their little tractors, on their ah, quad bikes. Okay. And they had everything decorated, including their pets. Okay. So okay. it was fabulous. It was a really, really fantastic evening. And there's, there seems to be one you do it in the evening time when it's dark, obviously, mm-hmm. um, to get the full effect of it. it, it yeah, and then it's it it seems to give an enormous buzz to town. So, and it's about as someone pointed out yesterday, which I thought was a very strong point. It, it's about country coming into the town, and the town saying thanks to the country, and the country saying thanks to the town and their hinterland. For basically, without each other, we couldn't exist. Farm food, um, and and uh, all that goes along with it. So it's so it's a. It's getting bigger and bigger. We're trying to find out, has it spread? It started in Carrick, I'm sure, in 2014. And we're trying to find out if it has spread um, into the into the UK. Um, I don't even know if it's even spread across the, 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 the northern part of the island, but we'll find out. Um, so Mary, Dem- Mary, Mary Dempsey, has your parade, is it, when was it on? So ours is on Sunday, the 5th of December. Okay. And um, it starts with a tractor run and it always finishes with a fireworks display. Okay, so it's a community. It's it's brilliant. I mean, it's not just about people throwing a few lights on a tractor. Yeah. It's massive effort. So you have dads and sons and grandparents and everybody. And it's just a fabulous community spirit. Well done. And well done. It really did brighten up the whole village. We have a business in the village that has been closed and okay. we're, we're opened um, at a lower, much lower capacity now. But it just brought a smile to everyone. Isn't that a very good, especially in these times? And yeah, it's, exactly. And it's safe and everything that goes along with it. Well, so done. well, there's stewards everywhere. Well like it's done. a tiny, tiny village. You'd have to see it. And is and there, is there a, I don't think there is. Maybe we'll set one up. Is there a federation of tractor spectaculars? Do we know how many there are in Ireland now? <laughs> That's a answer. Okay, well, so far, the leader, the leader, uh, once again, Kilbritton come out victorious. Um, they had 539 tractors on this day in 2019 in their tractor spectacular. Okay, Chris McCarthy, Anne Sheen, Mary Dempsey, Mary Worski. Uh, thank you all. Joe at rte.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. And Joe at RT.E. By the way, Annie, Annie West, who's a great illustrator. In fact, she did the wonderful cover of the uh, the gatefold cover, as they call it, for the bumper edition of the RT Guy. But Annie has sent us in video of the Sligo tractor run. We'll put it up again on at Joe Liveline at RT Live. It is unbelievable. Every, uh, almost every tractor is not only decked out with thousands of lights, each one of them has a trailer and the trailer could have a Christmas tree, could have reindeer. It is it's, it's quite beautiful to watch. But anyway, that's something you can, you can have a, a look at them. OK, IKEA and the voucher. IKEA say they're, they're assembling a reply for us and uh, when I get it, uh, it'll come with full instructions, I hope, because I'm brutal at putting together IKEA product. Uh, Lewis D. Vegan. It, the story earlier on was um, 300 euro vo- voucher uh, and when the voucher arrived they were asked to pay 75 euro in customs on an Ikea voucher. What happened in your case Lewis? Well in my case uh, it was my 60th birthday there in September 
Mm-hmm. And my brother sent me a lovely voucher for IKEA for 100 euro, which I was delighted with. Yeah. And about two days later, I got a bill from a post for 30 quid, which I paid. But uh, and what I felt bad for was him, that? you know. Yeah, and like who said earlier, took the goodness out of it. She was afraid to tell her brother that when, the, when in her case, a gift arrived, it wasn't Ikea, um, that she nearly had to pay as much to get it, to liberate the gift from the customs than, she, than he I'm did. Sure. Buying. So you got a bill of 30 quid for an Ikea yeah. voucher, which was in pay, for, which was in a little envelope. That's right, yeah. Uh, for a 100 quid, a 100 euro voucher, yeah. And did so, you... Um, Mm. Well, I told. I, well, I did actually tell my brother because I thought um, okay. he'd probably be a bit pissed off. So <laughs> I just said to him, you know, that I thought this was terrible. And uh, but did the money? Know, like, what could you do? I suppose you had to pay it. But I, I was very surprised because it's it's not goods. It's it's yeah, it's, it's sort of bit... like getting money, isn't it? Yeah, you know, so yeah. you don't think why would you have to pay on what's basically sort of money or a token, you know? But it's not as if you're you're laundering countless thousands of... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a hundred euro the, IKEA voucher. And the funny thing is I got other IKEA vouchers because there was something I wanted to get, you know, and uh, I didn't have to pay on those because they were all bought here in Ireland, obviously, from the store itself. But if you go on... The, 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 but what it happened, seems to yeah, be but what if happened you buy there, online. Yeah, but she bought it from Ireland online. And she yeah. still got hit with the 75 quid customs. Well, that looks like what happened to my brother as well. He, yeah. he bought it from Ireland online, but he got, I got the bill for 30 quid when it arrived. So it came, it came through the, it came yeah. out of, the, it came into the EU, into the EU from England and that's where they yeah. afford the charges. Because we haven't now, heard of this happening before. No. And I did get a little, I noticed another little thing just as I was talking to you there. Yeah. There is a little card in with it that sort of has a message from them wishing me a happy birthday. And and in the very bottom it says, um, your gift was dispatched by Voucher Express. Yeah, yeah. Um, And they seem to be part of the Hemingway group of companies, England, whoever they are. So unless they bought them from some sort of voucher company online and then... But the the amount I paid was for the the post it wasn't for okay, it was but, well, I'm yeah, but I presume Voucher Express or Hemingway Company I presume their IKEA outsourced their I assume yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and yeah. anyway the charge was for the customs it wasn't for you know it was yeah whatever was marked it was 30 which okay. customs it wasn't okay uh, okay Lewis yeah. that's Lewis Deegan okay. thanks still waiting on a reply from uh, from Ikea Lewis will you hang around you can help me put it together because I can never manage to put anything from Ikea together on my own Thomas Mead Thomas in Dura County a- Clare Thomas good, a- good afternoon Joe your tr- this is your first tractor run this is our first one yes we tried last year but Covid put us off okay. unfortunately but so when when is it happening and where uh, this, this Saturday evening in Gertine County Clare uh, what, yeah, what Dura Bearfield GA grounds and what time uh the registration is at five thirty, and the kickoff is at six thirty. And what's the route? The route it'll be going from Gertine into Queen Village, and then mm-hmm. into New Market Village, where we're hoping to have an audience. We'll hopefully be there at seven fifteen. And what's the, every tractor will be decorated? Oh yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Have, you, have you seen? Have you seen the videos of? Oh, sl- they're, they're spectacular. They are spectacular. absolutely spectacular. 
Hopefully we'll be just and remember, remember, this is the most bizarre thing we discovered yesterday. How did this start? And we were told yesterday from Carrick, um, I'll get the man's name in a sec because he's brilliant. We were told yesterday from Carrick that a few years ago, you know the way the Coca-Cola truck, the Christmas Coca-Cola truck goes around the country. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it was due to travel some... Some uh, it was Stuart Downey who told us this, and it was due to travel some to a local town, and it came through. And whether it went too fast or it wasn't as spectacular as people hoped, uh, th- this woman ran, rang Stuart and said, oh, "I've just been down to Coca Cola Truck Street. It's, you, you you do better yourself." And she said, "He said, what do you mean?" He said, "You do better on your tractor." But if, and that's what he did, and that's <laughs> where it started, and now it's all over the country. That's seven. <laughs> that's seven years ago, and I'm trying to find out does it happen in any, any other country. But anyway, you expect uh, many 200? Uh, between 150 and 200, okay. if we're looking now. Yeah. And there'll be collections for Pieta House and uh, Milford House. That's in Dura County Clare this yeah. coming Saturday. Um, Albert Porcel, um, Nina, Nina, Nina. Um, how many would you. Are you, are you... Hi, Joe. Good afternoon. Joe, um, I'm listening to you there, and yesterday we were just a bit disappointed with Michael, but we're more, we're, we're more over quality than quantity. We limited. And uh, thanks very much to Stuart Downey in 2008, I rang him. And he gave me one bit of advice, and it was great advice to limit it. So we limited okay. the agricultural contractors in Orchard Barrary to 30. Okay. But they, they, we, 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 the effort they put in and the lighting show, uh, we have a fine snowman in the air on a tractor. We have a sleigh in the air on a tractor. And this year we're introducing the new Polar Express that's yeah. specially built for the, for the run. But it's, uh, it's more a parade than a run because yeah. we have... 20 Disney characters. We have uh, a festive fun fair all afternoon and, and Nina's turned into a winter wonderland. And I'm, it's all I'm, for Embrace Farm and a local child here in Nina, Billy Goulding, who, who comes from farming background and, and uh, it's okay. a fundraiser for them. Brilliant. And who, who designs them, Albert? As George said yesterday, it's like a blank canvas, but there was guys in Bursa Cane since 2008 just got an idea and in a field they, they put a tractor one year with lights on it okay. and it the main road and people came from far and wide and it just built from there and So you reckon they, it, they, you, you're saying it started in Boris O'Kane? Well no I know in 2008 Mark Cleary he's a farmer contractor down there okay. and just he got an idea one tractor went to Fulham they went to Boris O'Kane for the lighting of the lights and then in 2017, we were asked by a local businessman, but it was too late. So 2018 was our first year, but um, okay, we limited to 30, and we do it for Embrace Farm. It's one sounds of the incredible. Good sounds, of ours. And would, you, would you video that, Albert? Please video it's that. Been on, it's been on there. It was covered by RTE on the 6 o'clock and 9 o'clock news for the last uh, three years, because last year we had to do it virtually. It was oh, okay. up on, on Facebook and YouTube uh, okay. virtually but you're, you're back out again. Oh, we're live next Saturday from from two o'clock with the, with the, with the well, whole day, okay. and then from six o'clock the. the and is there, is there is there a best tractor spectacular award? Actually, we have a trophy that's in memory of our good friend Brendan Kelly that, that died tragically with a farming accident in two thousand and eleven. Okay. And he's partner involved with Embrace Farm, and each year they pick out. Uh, we have John Hayes, you know, the next rugby player, who's an ambassador for Embrace Farm, and he comes down and uh, there's there's money changed his hand and. Um, there's a bit of bribing going on, but there is a trophy. Okay, okay, okay. You know your stuff, Joe. Good stuff, yeah, yeah. 
Well done. Well but done. I'm delighted that, no, I'm delighted you're giving it airtime. Oh, no, it's an incredible, it's an incredible phenomenon. It just got bigger you and know, bigger. You know, everyone needs to light up this shit this time of yeah, year. Yeah, very good point. This has been true, you know. Okay, well, go safely on Saturday, uh, Albert and Nina. It sounds absolutely incredible. Thing, George, yes. you did say you're on the good list. I'm on the, oh, thank God for that. That's a force. No. That's a force. That's a major day. I'm looking <laughs> Well done, well, keep it up. Uh, Tom Gilmore, where is your tractor run? Oh, yes, Joe, it's a Glenamady tractor run. It uh, leaves Glenamady Equestrian Centre. A guy mm. here going back about uh, oh, a good few years ago mm. and he organised a tractor run for uh, cancer. Oh, well done. And uh, it's just a way of raising a few pounds, you and know. When did you, when did you have yours on, Tom? When did you? Uh, the fifth of. Uh, oh, a couple of couple of weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Okay. And, um, and, uh, and how many tractors? How many tractors in your spectacular? <laughs> there were two hundred and forty tractors in wow. it. All decorated and, for Christmas. And they all decorated at the top. And I go to see it every year and support the charity. I don't bring the tractor because I'm too old. Okay. And uh, it's a good fun. It gets everybody out, all the young lads with 16 and 17 year olds that have just got licenses. They have great fun because, uh, you know, with the lockdown, there isn't much place for them to go now. And there's a regulator in terms of speed. Everyone's going. Oh, yes. It's well well relatively Relatively slowly. And it's also, I think, the big... Uh, the big message I was unaware of yesterday is that this is a this this parade at Christmas time. Tractors, obviously, by their nature and their size, are are very uh, open to the idea of being decorated and are tall and high and uh, wide. Uh, yeah. And also, it's about country coming into the local towns and both almost both groups saying to each other, "Well done, well done, another year." And especially towns that have suffered, and especially farmers that have suffered as well. And it's a great. It seems to have taken exactly. on seems to have taken yeah. on an even greater significance this year because of the the world we're living in. The Irish Christmas tractor That's spectacular, right. yeah. and I don't think any other country in the world can claim. It. Well done, Tom Gilmore, and safe travelling. That's Tom Gilmore, and just he lives there, just off the four roads to Glen and Maddie. Back tomorrow at one forty-five. Lisa Marie Berry uh, produced Richie Berms on sound. Liam Mullins, uh, uh, Richie Berms the researcher. Liam Mullins on sound, and the BCO is Daniel Keating and Ray Darcy's next. Live line on RTE Radio One with Kia. Discover our two-to-one offers at your local Kia dealer. For more, log on to Kia.com. 0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie